It's that time of the month again. <laughs> Welcome to She Talk Live. This is your host, Stephanie, here with you tonight. And here, I'm Lauren. And Carla. Yes, thank you so much, ladies, for being here with me. We have a great show planned for you all tonight. I am so glad that everyone's here listening to us and uh, sharing in the anarcho-giggling with us. <laughs> We're going to talk about all kinds of things related to liberty, freedom, and maybe some Valentine's Day bashing and some... Uh, we're going to talk about President Carla, too, right? <laughs> She's our fearless leader. Oh, I'm not so sure about maybe, that. Maybe not. <laughs> or at least not yet. But uh, w- this is the show about your calls. So you should call us at 603-435-1105. And one more time, that's 603 603- Four three five eleven oh five. Did you give a gift for Valentine's Day? Did it work out the way you wanted? L- let us know. Hmm. Yeah, it would be an early gift at this point, right? Because <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. I think Valentine's Day is tomorrow. Although, um, not that I've been tracking it too closely, but I did notice when I was looking at the calendar to uh, think about She Talk Live that it was the day before Valentine's Day, and I said, "Oh, well, somebody's going to call in about this, so we might as well preempt it and." you know, talk about it before someone even brings it up. So do you ladies have any pressing thoughts about Valentine's Day? I like candy. Mm, (laughs) Yes, it's a universal uh, like. But I think we can have candy every day. We can have candy every day. And that's that's kind of how I feel about Valentine's Day is like, you know, if you have a great partner, every day is is like Valentine's Day. I it can be kind of an excuse to do things that are nice for your loved ones. But why do you really need an excuse, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure we, we probably all agree it's just sort of a commercial claptrap. Yeah, the, the thing is, though, so many people say that, but then they expect gifts on Valentine's Day or they expect whatever. They expect to be wined and dined or taken out. You know, I heard actually in Japan, it's uh, it's kind of the opposite of the way things that are, are done in the U.S. Like it's traditional for women to buy chocolates for men. And give them to them. And in the U.S., it's more men buying things for women. So I don't know what that says about gender roles or just traditions or whatever. I wonder if they think it's stupid in in Japan, you know, because there are a lot of people in in the U.S. who say, oh, it's so contrived. It's so stupid. I wonder if they they think the same thing. They're like, oh, I had to go buy these damn guys some cookies again. (laughs) So sick of buying them cookies. So what do you think about Valentine's Day? Give us a call. 603-435-1105 is our number. You can also watch us on the Liberty Radio Network cam. I just turned it on seconds before we started, and Lauren's waving to everyone in the audience right now. And that is uh, cam.lrn.fm or cam.freetalklive.com. We'll both get you there, right? And um, anyway, so we were going to talk about something that is... uh, uh, on Carla's mind recently, I think maybe we should maybe we should lead off with that because it's more relevant to liberty than the whole Valentine's Day thing. I think, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that is Carla has been. I don't know if you've been offered it yet, but uh, there's been some rumors. There's been a Facebook group started to make Carla's husband the first man of the Free State Project, <laughs> right, Carla? Yes. Um, I don't know. It seems like there are some guerrilla tactics going on. I mean, <laughs> what uh, kind of guerrilla tactics? <laughs> At the moment, I mean, I, I have not been offered the position. I've just been asked if I would be interested in uh, mm. taking the leadership role 
Um, as many of our listeners probably know, uh, Varen Swearingen, who's the current president of the Free State Project, is stepping down. And if you have been living under a rock and don't know what the Free State Project is, it is a movement of uh, 20,000 at least liberty-loving individuals all moving to New Hampshire and getting active for more freedom in their lifetime. And all of us are early movers, participants in the Free State Project. Is that right, ladies? We're here on purpose, yes. Here on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) We're here with a goal. Yes. (laughs) And uh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, oh, no, that's fine. And so um, I have just been talking to people and sort of trying to get a sense of whether people think it's a good or a bad idea. And um, I am not sure yet either whether I think it's a good or a bad idea. Um, I do have some thoughts on it, but I would be interested in... Uh, knowing more actually from both of you and then from any callers who might want to call in and weigh in, yay or Intent. nay, <laughs> and that number. And the number is 603-435-1105. We're giving out our phone number. There's three hot chicks in the studio giving their phone numbers out. Nobody's calling us yet. Yeah, they yeah. will. So I wonder why uh, Varen Swearingen, the previous president of the Free State Project decided to step down. Is uh, there some sort of horrible, uh, you know, um, disease that happens to the presidents? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Did he get uh, assassination threats or something? Uh, Oh, yes. We hope Uh, hope not. Are you guys really trying to sell me on the position here because you're not doing a very good job? (laughs) Well, I, I don't know. I think he wrote a letter about why he stepped down, although I have to confess that I didn't read it. So I mean, <laughs> maybe I think we can check that just, out during the break. Um, you know, he's, he's done his bidding. He's done it twice. Um, he's probably a little burned out. Uh, you know, he's a busy guy. He's a full-time pilot. You know, I'm sure it's just mm-hmm. life. And um, I, as far as I know, there are no sort of deep, dark secrets or, or anything like that. I just think it is kind of an exhausting thing. It's a volunteer position. And, mm. you know, we all have... have day jobs, lives. We're busy people. Some of us have day jobs. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no, a lot of people do. And especially the doers, you know, they're in, a lot of people tend to have their hands in multiple different projects, you know, very true. Yeah. And, and you too, Carla, I know that you are involved in a lot of different things. You know, you have, you do have a day job, but you also have a lot of different activism things that are going on at once and it can get overwhelming. Like, just just today, you know, I was working on several different activist projects, a work project, and she talked live. So, yeah, yeah it yeah. can, it, it, can it, get busy. Yeah, this this week for me was just insanely crazy. Like, you know, there was something every day on top of real work, and mm. I have my big conference coming up. So, I'm I'm feeling torn. Oh, do you want to promote that? The writers um, conference, right? Yeah, yeah, actually, Writers Day that'll be on March fifth, and we have uh, Paul Harding, who won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction for two thousand and ten. Will be attending. I am uh, desperately talking to all the pseudo gods in the world to not make it snow that day, please, <laughs> <laughs> um, because we don't have a snow date. And if anyone's interested in attending the conference, they can go to nhwritersproject.org and you can register there. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, here's a question, Carla. Sure. What the heck does the president of the Free State Project do? Because you know, we're all about spontaneous order. We're all about decentralization. Do we need a president? Do we even uh, they need cut a... the ribbon on the, um, um, I don't know, when people come out of jail or something? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to nice. get a giant scissor and just yeah. walk around with that. <laughs> they'll be cutting, they'll be, their hands will be very tired when all of the nonviolent drug offenders are released from uh, New Hampshire jail. <laughs> oh, and that, that would be a very, very exciting and special day. I, um, I mean, I think the president, um, 
different presidents would probably have different sort of roles. I certainly think if I were to do it, I mean, at the moment, the president is just the president of the board. The board meets once every month or once every two months, and they sort of figure out, oh, you know, we have this much money in the budget. We're going to spend it here or whatever. But because the Free State Project um, as itself is, as we all know, you know, they talk about it as the bus. So it's just the, the bureaucratic vehicle. bus. Some people so say. You'll be the you'll be the bus driver. I will be. Yes. And actually, my first if if I do it, I'm like, perhaps we need to get rid of the presidency and install a monarchy. <laughs> well, I bet there are a lot of people who would enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. This is not a democracy. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, you know, I mean, there there have some interesting articles have been written that uh, monarchy is actually a more free society to live under than democracy. So, you know, maybe that would be a step oh, that, in the right direction. Yeah, that's Hans Hermann Hoppe. <laughs> I don't really buy into that, especially given the fact that he apparently basically thinks that gay people should be banned from polite society. That kind of oh, just really? diminishes his credibility. Oh, my, in my I, I eyes. did not know that. We do have a caller. Maybe the caller has a uh, opinion about this. So okay. uh, why don't we go to the phones? And this is She Talk Live. You're on the air. Who's this? Hello, this is Nick, N-I-K from Illinois. Hi, N-I-K. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? It's the Swedish spelling. Uh, um, yes, I happen to know something about Valentine's Day in Japan. Okay. Uh, women give chocolate to men on that day, but then on March 14th, men are expected to give chocolate back. It's called White Day because they're expected to give white chocolate and it's supposed huh. to be at least two to three times as expensive as getting favorites. And not the same chocolate, I'm, I'm hoping. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, did, we're coming up on a break, but we'll hold you over because I want to hear more about this, okay? We'll bring okay. it back. This is She Talk Live. We're here taking your calls, 603-435-1105. Let us know what you think. We'll be back. This is She Talk Live. We're back. Thank you for hanging with us during the break. Stephanie here with you. And Lauren. And Carla. Yep. Thanks for sticking around, everybody. We're so thrilled to have you in our audience tonight. And you can call us at 603-435-1105 if you want to weigh in with your thoughts. We were discussing uh, the possibility of Carla being El Presidente. Uh, in the last segment, and we'll come back to that discussion. But right now we have Nick on the line, and this is Nick with a K, of course. Uh, Nick, I have to let you know, when the last segment, when you said it's N-I-K, the Swedish spelling, I thought you said the sweetest spelling. I must have been thinking <laughs> about the cookies and chocolates and, and Valentine's Day. <laughs> so you did say Swedish, right, and not sweetest. Yes. Okay. Swedish. Just clarifying that. So uh, anyway, before the break, you were telling us about the customary traditions of Japanese Valentine's Day. And you said there is kind of a reciprocal day where men are supposed to give women uh, candies. But on on the Valentine's Day, that's like the American Valentine's Day. The women give men candies. Is that right? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was started by chocolate companies and they get half their annual sales on that day. Oh, of course. Uh, the tradition generally is that uh, office workers give chocolate to their co-workers and the quality of the chocolate generally says something about the relationship uh <laughs> hmm. if it's if it if they don't like you very much it's called obligation chocolate obligation chocolate <laughs> <laughs> whereas if you're somebody really special to them they get the more expensive kind of and throw an m&m at you from across the room right yeah <laughs> and then on white day um the the men 
give back. Uh, and the thing is that if the man gives back something that is less than twice as expensive, then then that's really bad. And giving back a gift of equal value uh, signals a cutting off of the relationship. Wow. Why, is, why don't they just say, hey, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> Break up with you. Because why very, do that um, when you can say it with culture. chocolates? <laughs> Not only do I want to break up with you, but I want you to gain 10 pounds in the process. There <laughs> you go. It's a little advanced gift. <laughs> so, d- Nick, did you say that white chocolate is actually more expensive than dark chocolate or something? Did I mishear that? Well, I don't know. I mean, White Day is just named that because mm-hmm. men are expected to give back white chocolate. I see. So there is. So I was mistaken, actually. I thought that it was just the women that were expected to give the men gifts. But it's actually not only that, but they're, they have a, this return obligation where they have to give three times as expensive of a gift. So, so well, that was it, how it was originally. Hmm. But uh, I think it, like either 1936 or so was when, the, um, was when the Valentine's Day tradition started. And then in the 1980s, White Day was created as sort of a balancing act. So there was kind of a lag there. Hmm, yeah, so it's relatively new. Like one of those things like Grandmother's Day or something. You know, in the U.S. Seems like kind of um, an overbalancing, though. I mean, come on, twice as expensive? Or three times as, as expensive. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. I don't like those those gender-based, arbitrary cultural obligations either. I don't even like chocolate. It, yeah, actually. Uh, you can send your chocolate to my house. At- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, donate it to the LRN studio. <laughs> well, actually, I eat a low-carbohydrate diet, so I don't. Uh, I think Car- Carla does the same thing. Uh, more chocolate for me. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, all of our chocolate will be going to Lauren's uh, fund. <laughs> well, and I'm I'm known to cheat. <laughs> yeah, Carla will eat it one you know one day out of the month, right? Yes. That's a she talk live day that it, it coincides with the day that you can eat chocolate. There we go, because uh, we'd all want that in the studio. We hopped up on chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> it makes things more entertaining. Bing, 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 bing. You mean you weren't hopped up all these other times? No. Uh, the natural wow. beauty <laughs> shining through. Uh, was there anything else on your mind, Nick? Do you have a, I'm going to ask you this, just a unscientific statistical sample. Uh, do you have a significant other, Nick? No. Okay. So then I guess it's kind of a moot point, but I was going to ask you if you had planned to do anything for Valentine's Day or if your significant other didn't like it. How about in the past? No, I never do. <laughs> never do. Yeah. I like that approach much better because I don't know. I I do have a significant other, and I, whenever you know something strikes me, I'll I'll get a gift. You know, just just randomly, and just because yeah. the, the random gifts are always the best because it's usually about a funny joke or something like that. I've I've made like custom T-shirts and you know gotten little little things that represent inside jokes, so just kind of fun. Anyway, anything else on your mind tonight, Nick? No, nope, that's all. Okay, well, thanks for the call. We certainly do appreciate it. And uh, we will continue talking about the previous subject, which was the possibility of El Presidente, <laughs> Carla. <laughs> queen, Queen. Oh, Queen Quill. Yes, the, the, the monarchy. Quill. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I, I'm sort of curious. I, I you know, I'm, if I were to do this, I, I feel that we have this community here in New Hampshire, and um, just trying to get a sense of of the support. I, you know, I I could go over what I think my strengths are. I kind of feel like I'm campaigning now, which makes me feel like I'm a politician, which makes <laughs> me feel really grody and icky. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, um, so yeah, I just sort of think that it's interesting. It's out there. Um, I know they're looking at some other candidates, and I guess what I'm looking for is someone convince me why Ooh, I, I should haven't heard anything it. about any other candidates. The only yeah, thing well. I've heard is Carla. <laughs> There's no competition. This um, is a total shoe in. <laughs> Well, you know, who, who knows? You know, I, it, the decision isn't up to me. So, um, and I'm just really not sure I want to do it. You know, some of my friends have come out and said, I think that would be a bad idea. Um, hmm. some other people have come out and said they think it's a marvelous idea. And I just really am not sure. So I guess I'm looking for people to either talk me into it or talk me out of it. Mm. Okay. I don't know whether I'm talking you in or out, but here's my opinion. I think that... You're a very articulate spokesperson, which is why I always invite you on She Talk Live. And I think that you're great at articulating the ideas of liberty and a, and a fantastic writer. And you can do that regardless of whether you are are or are not El Presidente or El, El Queen, I guess. <laughs> La Rea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say it in Spanish. <laughs> but um, the president of the Free State Project, I guess, you know, most people in society, especially mainstream media tend to look for a leader, I guess, and they'll look on the website and they'll say, well, who's the president of this organization? And the next time there's a big civil disobedience or a big whatever that's affiliated with people who are in the Free State Project, they'll say, oh, who's the leader of this? We have to find out who the fearless leader is. And they'll look on the website and they'll say, oh, President Carla, let's call her and ask Mm -hmm. for an interview. Mm -hmm. And I would love that to happen because I think that Carla is a very good representative for those ideas as was Varen. as was Varen, absolutely and amanda um amanda before him amanda phillips i believe was was also in a lot of media interviews and stuff and and you know certainly something like that i think Varen. um you know i i can be a little goofy i mean i can be professional when i need to be but you know i prefer to be who i am which is kind of a goofball um so i could certainly see people taking the role um Someone like Varon continuing to do a publicity role. I thought he did a really good job on that Russia Today interview. Um, mm. I'm more curious just sort of um, to imagine. I, I was I was thinking today. I was like, you know what we need to do? We need to make the Free State Project cool. People need to be like knocking down our door <laughs> oh, to be like, cool. oh, can you get in the club? No, wait, you have to pay $150 to get on the bus. <laughs> oh, and we're going to bet you. <laughs> and you have to buy us all chocolates or just Lauren. You have yeah. to buy Lauren chocolates. <laughs> More chocolate for me, yes. It's it's the bribery. It's rampant in the Free State Project. Yes. <laughs> just kidding. I, I too will accept chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, give us a call with your thoughts. This is She Talk Live and you can reach us at 603-435-1105. Please give us a call and let us know what you think. We'll be back. This is She Talk Live. Welcome back to She Talk Live. Thank you so much for tuning in and being with us tonight as we rock the airwaves. <laughs> right, ladies. <laughs> this is your host, Stephanie. And Lauren. And Carla. Yes, and you should give us a call at 603-435-1105. Please do call in and let us know your thoughts. You know you want to call three hot ladies, 603-435-1105. Anyway, so (laughs) we have much to discuss tonight. I I have a hypothetical question. Yes. Okay. So, Carla, let's say you you become the president of the Free State Project. The Free State Project becomes... Uh, you know, fantastically popular. Everyone's climbing yes. over each other to get to New Hampshire, and they're calling you twenty-four hours a day. That's the idea. New Hampshire, Dam. 
and the and uh, the there's uh you know um, uh, fan fan uh, clubs uh, starting up everywhere. People all across the world are you know filling up airplanes and boats to trying to get here. The government says we have to put a stop to this. We have to buy out Carla. Carla, well, we have ambassadorships. We have uh, small islands in the South Pacific. We have uh, forts of fortunes that we we have art art treasures that we could give you. What what can we give you so that you will not talk about freedom anymore? Ooh, so you're asking the hypothetical, as I understand it, is can I be bought, and what is my price? Uh, What what would be a a tempting offer? A tempting offer. Oh, God, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I've never thought about that. I, I do know, you know, the premise in that movie with Demi Moore and Robert Redford and um, the cool stoner guy where he, they were like, Can't we're going to pay out. you a million dollars to sleep yeah. with my wife. And I was like, I'd probably sleep with him for free. <laughs> so I don't really get it. <laughs> um that is an excellent question, and I'm going to kick the can. Just <laughs> so now we know Carla's weakness. All you have to do is like throw a bunch of hot men at her. Ah, okay. <laughs> I um, I think that's an uh, excellent question. I've I've never really thought about it in those terms. I think for myself, if someone was trying to bribe me not to talk about freedom, I'm pretty sure I don't have a price. I wouldn't mind mm. going to a tropical island, in, you know, in February for a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Could get a little bleak here, but um, actually it's been a beautiful February so far. But um, I don't know. The answer to the question is the answer. <laughs> okay, Stephanie, we have um, uh, professorships at Dartmouth. We have uh, <laughs> um, uh, Woods Hall, uh, 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 the, the leader of the uh, scientific, um, uh, you know, People who get to to say what we're going to explore underwater, or perhaps uh, mm. you know, um, I don't know what something awesome. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's a very good question. I I don't think that someone could pay me to talk about something or not talk about something. And I say that now, but I have never encountered an offer like this. Oh well, it happens because uh, um, historically, um, back in the 1500s, Etienne de la Boite, he wrote that incredible essay about, uh, you know, um, stop holding up the le- leaders and they, will, they won't be able to do anything about it. I mean, just mm. take your hands away from the statue and it will fall. Like, uh, huh. I, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but Mark Stevens on uh, Adventures in Legal Land, uh, he, he's mm-hmm. a big uh, proponent of that. But anyway, Etienne de la Buiti wrote this passionate, hor- or the great, great article about, um, uh, you know, bringing down the dictators. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? He becomes a lawyer. He, 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 the rest of his life, he was a bureaucrat. Right. They, wow. they bought him out. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, you know, in, in my case, I sort of did the reser- uh, reverse in the sense that I was a lawyer uh-huh. and I walked away from that for that exact reason because I just, you know, and, and because of all my trials and tribulations here mm-hmm. as an activist, um, I, I deal with lawyers. And I have said to my very, very sweet, very smart, lawyer that i'm like you know and he's he's uh he's a free stater and i'm Mm -hmm. like you're still you know you're a good guy but you're a bad guy because if you're a lawyer you are in the system you are part of the problem and certainly in washington that is so true i mean i think one of the biggest problems we have in the hellmouth is 70 percent of congress are lawyers yeah and i'm like Oh, it's 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 you know, it's like putting the worst of the worst together and then going, let's write stuff and control people and oh. 
But yet yeah. they have the highest salaries and the, they choose the smartest people to, to go into the most horrible yeah. <laughs> line of work. But, you yeah. know, I, and I don't think you have to be smart to be a lawyer. I mean, I used to no. say, you know, they could just send you for a library class. I mean, this was, you know, uh, back in my day, back in the 1500s when Etienne and I were uh, in law school. <laughs> we, uh, you, know, uh, you know, before Google and that kind of stuff, I mean, they honestly just needed to teach you how to look at um, resources and how to research stuff. Um, huh, Yeah. And uh, more recently, the civil rights movement, when it became gigantically popular and the the news of TV news was on it every night and uh, Martin Luther King got got uh, assassinated. Mm -hmm. uh, A lot of those people got got bought out. Um, uh, And and also, I mean, I I, I guess to go back to your question, it's um, it it starts to get tricky where the question is, um, are you willing to be quiet or are you willing to die for your beliefs? Because that is what they did. You know, I I mean, certainly in the in the civil rights movement, there was a lot of. Uh, fear, you know, where it's like you speak out and then suddenly, you know, the the leaders are getting whacked and, you know, it's, uh, you know, I thought a great coffee table book would be just a book called Assassinations. You make it really big. You do nice photos and you just basically take civil rights leaders that we can now through, you know, mm. revisionist history prove was assassinated by the U.S. government yeah, and you would be shocked and horrified, you know, by that list and by who those people are. All right, are. publishers, contact Carla <laughs> <laughs> Queen Quill at freestateproject.org. Right. Yeah. Just kidding. I don't think that email address exists yet. But, <laughs> but get in touch with Carla. Now, you know, Carla, this is exactly what I was thinking after Lauren posed this question. I was thinking, well, it, it seems more ris- realistic that rather than someone try to buy me out. They would probably do the opposite and try to threaten me into submission. Mm-hmm. And that's already what they do. I mean, they already but- wiretap people. They already there's tremendous social pressure. There's the threat of, OK, well, we can't exactly punish you yet for speaking out, but we can target you. We can uh, throw harsher charges at you. We can choose to because there's so many laws. You are breaking one of them. It doesn't oh. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like if you think that you're a law abiding citizen when the amount of laws becomes so overwhelming and so over overburdening right you are breaking some law at any time and so they can get you if they choose to if they don't and that's when they don't like you but right. if i'm just assuming that uh, our ideas will become super popular in the not too distant future i'm a, i'm assuming and that there mm-hmm. will be like a gigantic uh, you know sea swell of uh, of popularity for our ideas and they will have to try mm-hmm. and buy out i mean they can't assassinate the person that's that seems to be the leader of the whole thing they'll have to try and buy him out and i'm just wondering well they can't assassinate mm-hmm. it and i mean not to you well, know they, sort of go into the the paranoia part but you know i was talking to um, my husband earlier today and we were kind of joking around and i said well you know one of the reasons i would not want to do it is i'm like isn't it always the person with the crown is the person who goes down and i was like i don't want to be the target i have not heard that expression before but it does make sense but on the other hand, you could also argue, yes, this is a public position. I mean, all hell, all of us have public positions. Exactly, Lauren, you're yeah. you're a pretty quiet, I think, private person most of the time. But, you know, you're on YouTube doing civil disobedience and people know who you are. Carla, you're a writer. I'm a writer. I'm an author. You know, all of us are on Sheet Talk. Like, we're, we're pretty public. And there are benefits and shortcomings to that. Right. The shortcoming being that maybe you'll attract attention from people who don't like your ideas and want to hurt you because of them. But the benefit, which I think way outweighs the shortcoming, 
is that it offers protection too. If you're public about your ideas and you're you're saying, no, I am not crazy. They're the ones who are crazy, and this is why I can show it with logic and evidence and reason. And I have I have morality on my side, right. basically. They have force, and we have the force of good. Mm. <laughs> the force be with you. Yeah, so, something. I saw the cutest ad um, on on YouTube for a Volkswagen with the the force be with you is very very sweet. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've heard it from um, anti circumcision advocates. May the foreskin be with you. <laughs> This is She Talk Live. Why did I just say that? I don't know. But you can call us at 603-435-1105. Let us know what's on your mind. She Talk Live, 603-435-1105. Give us a call. We'll be back. This is She Talk Live. Thank you for sticking around after that, uh, well, that awkward extra or outro, whatever it's called, last segment. <laughs> this is uh, Stephanie here with you. And Lauren. And Carla. And of course, our number is 603-435-1105. If you want to call us with your thoughts, that's 603-435-1105. And of course, you can see us at cam.freetalklive.com. And uh, Stephanie, uh, I had a question. Yes. Uh, what is what, this question what you, you speak d- of? What are you drinking on? (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) uh, I'm drinking on just about the gayest thing you can imagine, (laughs) (laughs) which is some, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Wild turkey and green tea. (laughs) Yeah, wild turkey Uh and green tea. That's Uh right. uh Mostly wild turkey. (laughs) Uh, I'm drinking on the greatness of water in in a pork (laughs) fest cup. Nice. Nice. How about you, Carla? I am drinking on um, some lovely blue flowers with some perhaps uh, not uh, FAA or FDA or whatever the F Alphabet soup. F- yes, one of the alphabet soups would not approve. And mm. I do have some water, but this one I don't really drink on. <laughs> she squirts it on her face when, I, when she gets mm, overheated. That's right. Yes. Like... Oh, I like flash dance, it. yeah. <laughs> like when uh, Stephanie says something about semen. Exactly. <laughs> you know, there was this big study this week. We we should finish telling people um what that was all about. We were we were imitating Wheels Off Liberty, and of course, kind imitation of badly, yeah. is the sincerest form of flattery. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, Wheels Off Liberty people, we need you back because we're like making up our own Wheels Off Liberty things here. Exactly. And our my mullet needs a trim. <laughs> Yeah, this is Wheels Off She Talk Live. <laughs> yeah, our our mullets are getting so long that like it's not party in the back, business in the front anymore. It's like it's like party all over the place. So <laughs> we need you come back. We don't care that you had a baby, you know. <laughs> Get on that mic and make some new podcasts because we're hurting. <laughs> so anyway, where was this going? Oh right, semen, right. <clears throat> so there's a study. And where are the semen going? No. <laughs> well, I was going to say. To the Navy. That's right. Yeah, there there are whole vessels full of them. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think this is going to be a sink or swim <laughs> episode. No, 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 we have some pretty good swimmers, you know. <laughs> okay, this is getting a little over top. Someone please call in 603-435-1105. Stop us from making these. These amazing puns. They're just too good, really. Your head's going to explode. 
Yeah. So, and and the worst part is, I was going to introduce this article by saying that here in the studio, I don't see men. I only see women. But uh, I didn't didn't have to do that. See men. Get it? <laughs> see <laughs> men. <laughs> women all right she talk live all okay, right you're scaring me okay so tell me about this study okay this is this is very scientific actually i don't think it's very scientific i think there are probably some serious um flaws in the study um and i should probably actually bring up the academic paper and and read it just so we can see but there was an article in uh, psychology today and a, a couple other mainstream science journalism things uh, periodicals and they were saying that there's a, a study published saying that exposure to semen in women, in assumably straight women, is associated with less depression. And so they, they conclude that there's something in the semen that's basically a happy pill. So <laughs> do you have to swallow it? Uh, I think that in the study no, that it they... It has to go against the blood vessels of your vagina, I think. I right. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, which which is a, a pretty um, absorptive area. It's you know a lot of vasculature and stuff in there. Oh, but, is it absorb absorptive or absorbent? Mm, absorptive, <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, yeah, absorbent or absorbstrate. I don't know. Ah, okay, horrible. Anyway, so yeah, they they concluded that you know there's basically some hormones and chemicals in the juice that <laughs> that makes people happy and i was kind of wondering what you ladies thought about that oh. yay <laughs> <laughs> now the first thing i th- i thought when i saw this study was okay this is going to be a great example of scientific bias <laughs> because how many people have a stake in this study coming out a certain way <laughs> you know uh men would probably like to cite the study pretty, yeah. pretty often but you know 2.5 billion people in the world <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I, 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 you know, I, I don't know if your moves are, and and you know, maybe this would be a move for for a hustler of some sort. But, um, you know, if you have to woo someone with a scientific <laughs> study of, hey, my, oh, that gets my, me hot. Oh my, yeah, my my juice is going to make you happy. My juice is happy juice. Yeah. <laughs> then you know, you you may be on you know the short end of the wooing process. <laughs> um, right. But certainly, I mean, I'm sure scientifically, um, I mean, orgasms make people happy. Yeah, th- that's exactly what I was wondering. Is it? Yeah, it's the other it the things too, that, yeah. That like they, maybe they have a partner or they have... A skin contact and yeah. j- just everything in general that happens around. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we were saying that the, the appropriate control for this study would be to, you know, give women little turkey basters or something and have oh. them you know expose themselves to it and see if they become happier yeah. without the the man who's attached to it right <laughs> and, and and sort of the contact and all the physical stuff that you can do every day not just on valentine's day exactly you shouldn't just do it on valentine's day <laughs> that's right so, so well that's really interesting i think i it's i haven't read the study but it certainly sounds sort of yeah it was kind of convincing because they did it uh in degrees um Women, they interviewed women who used condoms all the time. They did not. They had more uh, suicidal thoughts. And women who used condoms once in a while, they had less suicidal thoughts. Women who didn't use condoms at all had the the least amount of suicidal thoughts. I guess we now know why I'm such a happy person. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great, Carla. (laughs) 
We're very happy for you. Uh-oh. Car- Carla's gone. She's, she's, uh, she's in the giggle land. Doubled over with laughter. We've all crossed that threshold into the giggle land tonight. But, uh, but I mean, just to be fair, though, that, that could be um, a very biased criteria to use for the study because... Condoms are probably associated with other things too, right? Like maybe no, um, not, not non-monogamy, somebody? or yeah, maybe non-trusting, or um, any number of other things, and or hell, it could be a latex allergy or something. Right. I, I'm just <laughs> making knows? that up, but uh, there are a lot of studies out there that assume that correlation is causation, and it's so important to remember that that is just not true because it can be used to justify like all these um, bad conclusions and probably some of them, you know, increasing the size of government, for instance, Uh, like, you know, there are some correlation studies. Now I've heard people use statistics to say whatever they want on this, but there are some studies that say stuff like, Oh, well, you know, the States with um, areas with higher crime have more people with, with handguns. And so we should ban handguns and stuff like that. uh, Oh yeah. Of course. Nonsense. (laughs) Oh yeah, it is nonsense, but there are so many people who fall for it. Of course. Especially with guns and gun control and, you know, because people are instinctively scared of that. And I, you know, I find it fascinating that someone would feel comfortable if there was a police officer with a gun on. So it's a guy in a blue costume with a gun. Yeah. And then yeah, but it's the costume. The costume makes it okay. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's to me that just boggles the mind. It does. It really does. And when when you hear someone say something like that, oh, I feel safe when the police officers are armed, but not when ordinary people are armed. How do you actually feel when you're driving along the road in your car and you see the flashing blue lights? Do you, you feel, feel safe? safe? <laughs> or I, do you feel terrified? Because I feel terrified. I, yeah. I, I feel scared, too. I generally now, as as a rule, if I see a police officer, I lock my car. <laughs> wow. Well, you had a traumatic experience, too, Carla. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were handcuffed to a pole for three hours and you were arrested and charged with felony wiretapping, which was eventually dropped, even though you, you filed a motion to get them to <laughs> come after you again. So they could, <laughs> you could which bring... goes to show how you know untrustworthy and uh, terrifying they are. I mean, they, they on purpose, they become terrifying to people and, and they have guns. I mean... How could you be feel safe like like that? I mean, I think mm-hmm. statistically now, and of course, you know, statistics, we all know it can go this way or that way. But I think lies, you're, damn lies and you're, statistics. <laughs> exactly. But I think you're eight times more likely to be shot and killed by a police officer than mm-hmm. ever to be hurt by a terrorist. Yes, I have heard that statistic and I, I don't remember where it comes from. That's unfortunately part of the problem with these things is you got to remember where they were from and so you can back up the validity of that evidence well too. or do we need to remember or do our listeners just need to use google uh, option b <laughs> google has become my brain i'm like you know we only have so much time in, <laughs> in life and i'm like you know i want to remember some of the good stuff but there's a lot of noise and information out there and we can find it you know you can find it online if you really want to know it's so true although it is also true that sometimes um, myths and misquotes get reposted online and so it's like you'll find it in five different places but they all came from the original lying untrue source so this is she talk live please call in and save us from talking about happy pills the number is 603-435-1105 some interesting thoughts to discuss when we return give us a call this is she talk live and we'll be back This is She Talk Live. Welcome back to our show. Thank you so much for listening. 
This is another exciting hour, the second hour of She Talk Live. You should give us a call. Our number is 603-435-1105. Let us know what's on your mind. We do have a caller on the line that we're going to get to, but first we should introduce ourselves. I am Miss Stephanie. I am a Miss Lauren. And I am Miss Carla. <laughs> and you are Queen Quill. <laughs> we got so distracted telling funny stories to each other during the break that uh, we almost forgot that this segment was starting, but now we're back and uh, better than ever, I guess you could say. So uh, we're going to go straight to our caller on the line. I believe we have Michael in Connecticut who has patiently hung through the break, right? <laughs> and I have, yes. Okay, I didn't even mean that. <laughs> uh oh. Someone save us, please. Oh, I'm so sorry. And, you know, Michael called with the specific purpose of saving us from the topic that we were previously discussing and wanted to talk about the Free State Project, if I remembered that correctly. Is that right, Michael? It is, yes. So, what was um, on your mind? Oh, you know, it's funny. I, um, I only recently found out that the Free State po- Project even. Uh, had a president. I didn't know that was uh, possible. Mm. So is it? So is the title like uh, anarcho chieftain or something? <laughs> I know it certainly that. can be. <laughs> I like that that uh, title. But I actually we were discussing this during one of the breaks that I was asking Carla since Varen, who is the was the most recent president of the Free State Project, has stepped down and nobody has stepped up yet. Is it anarchy? <laughs> And does it matter? <laughs> um, and and I don't think it matters, but I do believe he's stepping down at the end of this month. So yeah. so there's sort of that time lapse. But you know, from from the bureaucratic sort of standpoint, I mean, I get that people think, wow, really, um, there's an organization or there's, but really, all it is is just you know a handful of people who just kind of have to do the bureaucratic crap that needs to be done in order for something like this to to happen or to exist. Uh huh. And what? Oh yeah. What does that entail? You know, as far as I can tell, it's it's you know it's a it's board meetings, and I think that we could all agree those are B O R E D meetings. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it certainly looks that way from where I'm standing. Yeah. You have to bear with me. The beer is just kicking in, so. Okay. Um, well, well, I'm still on my first glass of wine. I figured so. Ian and Mark probably deal with enough drunk callers to, during the week. So, oh, so you're pacing <laughs> yourself. We appreciate that. Thank you. Yes, we certainly do. Thank you. I just had, um, yeah, I wish, you know, I, I love the Free State Project. Although for me, I work in, um, work in a wine shop, and uh, since the state of New Hampshire has state-owned stores, that's a little bit of a barrier for me. Mm. So, in principle, I can never be a government employee. Unless I could uh, start up an agorist liquor store. But. I love that idea. Yeah. And you would make a lot of money from me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, Michael, you already have one customer. You you might be able to sustain yeah. yourself uh, just from the the She Talk Live revenue alone or the, the Carla oh, revenue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, technically, you could uh, manage a wine uh, aisle at the supermarket. So that uh, supermarkets can sell wine. This is true. Oh, they can? Yes. 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 Does that change oh. your mind about moving? Oh, that's a possibility, yes. Oh. I didn't realize that. Go, you Lauren. Know, I, I thought, <laughs> I guess this, so they can sell beer and wine, but not liquor. Exactly. And then the right. liquor stores, uh. which, you know, I have to say, I'm always, I'm always looking at examples of just, you know, bad government, bad, bad government. And mm. I... Every time I go to the liquor store, my husband refuses to even go there anymore. He just won't, you know, support them. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm a booze head and hound um, drinker. How would one phrase that? Um, Alcoholic. <laughs> Sorry, just, she, 
Just kidding. <laughs> no, Carla is not an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, are there I am, any moves I, in the oh, social I'm drinking. sorry. Um, there you go. Um, that, are there any moves in the New Hampshire legislature to change that, or you know or that? Are they still- that certainly would be a fantastic activism for someone to get behind. Um, you know, what I find works quite successfully is when people move to the state and they just have their own hot button issue. And for mm-hmm. a lot of people, those things can be different or they can be the same. But ideally, they should be different. And that way we're attacking on so many fronts, because if this is something that's close to your heart, you should, you know, come talk to one of our 12 free state or 120 liberty-oriented people in the state house and be like, let's repeal this. Or, um, And I would love to see someone get on that issue because I hate the state liquor store. I mean, I hate going in there. The wine is not chilled. They don't chill the white wine. What consumer Ugh, business would not chill the white wine. Well, one that has no real incentive Sensitive. to please the consumer. Exactly. Oh, which it doesn't. Yeah. The other thing they do that drives me bat bonkers, <laughs> bat bonkers, new phrase, <laughs> is they they put everything in brown paper bags with no handles. And if you're buying a bunch of stuff, you can't carry it. I'm uh-huh. like, who oh, yeah. thought of this? Wow. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That, uh, I mean, we didn't... Um, where I work, we have we give people bags with handles, so we're, mm-hmm. we're in, we try to help out people who have our you know our you know people that have arthritis or you know we have bags with handles. But I know Connecticut, Connecticut, even though we have we have wholesalers, retailers, we still have, it's a very beastly climate because we're getting terrorized by our uh, liquor commission down here. Mm-hmm. We have about 130 pages of uh, edicts that we have to abide by. Half of them wow. are subject to their interpretation. Yeah, Michael, and I was I was thinking more expensive. Yeah, and it's just taxes and mm-hmm. you know it's just uh, it's more down here. I know we're more expensive than up in New Hampshire because we have a lot more. We paid. I mean, it's not just sales tax, but there are wholesale taxes. Um, mm-hmm. Like we can't do like wholesalers can't do quantity discounts. You know, if you buy one case of wine, you have to pay the same price for ten cases of wine. Yeah, the state wants to collect its cut. You know. Yeah, and because so it's a sin, they want to discourage the sin. <laughs> but they don't yeah. want to discourage the sin. What no, they that's want what to they do say. Is they just they want, want you to p- pay for your indulgences. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it keeps out a lot of small producers because you know the big guys can afford to pay, you know, all the fees and taxes. But you know, small. You know, if you want to bring in a, you know, a small winery or a small beer producer, you know, it's, you know, it's like. You know, three hundred dollars per label for this to the state of Connecticut, and mm-hmm. if you have a very small amount to buy, that that dramatically increases the price, and it's not worth it for the wholesaler. And we can only buy from wholesalers in Connecticut. So we can't even go out of state. I thought there was but, some court case. Um, I seem to recall maybe from a couple of years ago where it was a woman and. Oh, God, you see, this is where Google would be handy. So I'm just going to talk total nonsense. But this is what the facts are in my head. These will all be wrong. However, (laughs) there was a woman in Pennsylvania, I believe, who had sued because you were not allowed to sell wine over state lines. And I thought there was a Supreme Court case maybe in the past two or three years where they changed that. Hmm. Yeah, they altered it a bit. But I guess if um, I guess either the I'm still confused about that one, but I think either the states have to either allow it or don't. 
there are still some states we cannot ship to. Like, for example, uh, for example, Pennsylvania, where they have state stores there. But some states are okay to ship to. Can you ship here? Still, um, actually, in New Hampshire, yes, we can. Hmm. So maybe a way to yes. start migrating your business or something. Exactly, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I was thinking, yeah, I, Michael, when you, when you were telling your story before, I was thinking, well, how long is it going to be until the government basically puts the small wineries out of business in, in Connecticut yeah. and then maybe it'll... Well, already has. Uh, and the big wineries paid a lot to their lobbyists to get that to happen, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's Do a you, very regressive tax in a way. You know, it's... Uh, I feel regressed no, against. <laughs> I feel regressed <laughs> and aggressed. <laughs> uh, I'm... I'm 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 hoping to get up to Pork Fest this year. Oh, Still, uh, that would be great. Sure. Well, would well, you consider bringing some uh, vino up to Pork Fest, maybe, and do some? Uh, oh yeah, do some sales there. Yeah, I can, I can yeah you can sell from there. there. Yeah. I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> and uh, Stephanie, oh, yeah. you'll be there, right? I will. I, will. And, I don't drink alcohol, but <laughs> and I'll be there too, and I'll be the drunk lady in the dunk tank, <laughs> <laughs> which they're going to have this year at Pork Fest. So you haven't been before. I have not been there, no. Okay, well, this is an open invitation that you absolutely must come. Indeed. Uh, wait, is that yeah. an invitation or is that a threat? <laughs> uh, Michael, Carla thank- is hiding her hands, or hiding her face <laughs> behind her hands at this point. Michael, thank you so much for the call. We definitely hope to see you at Pork Fest, and uh, we do appreciate you taking thank the time tonight. <laughs> and we will be back with more about the famous, the world famous, indeed, Porcupine Freedom Festival when we return. This is She Talk Live. Give us a call, 603 435 This is She Talk Live, otherwise known as Free Talk Live, the other 29 or so days out of the month. But uh, when the ladies take over the studio, uh, it's known as She Talk Live. And this is your host, Stephanie, with you. And Lauren. And Carla. And you can hear us on the Liberty Radio Network. Go there, check out LRN.FM. A lot of cool liberty-oriented content, as well as some podcasts and some live shows exclusive to LRN. All kinds of good stuff, liberty-oriented radio to pour directly into your brain or pour out <laughs> over the airwaves on maybe a community station or um, just in a group setting. Check them out, LRN.FM. And anyway, we are looking for some phone calls. We want you to share your opinions with us, so you should give us a call at 603-435-1105. Have you uh, been to Porkfest? Was it fun? Yeah. Um, what, what are you looking forward to this time? That's a great question. And we, we were definitely talking, uh, planning on talking about the Porcupine Freedom Festival this year. Are you ladies both going to Porkfest? Yes. And uh, I really like the swimming pool there. I don't know. It's There's the, a swimming pool? Yes, there is a swimming pool. <laughs> I like the swimming pool. It's, it's got a deep end, you know, like so many uh, modern pools won't let you dive into the deep end. But this oh, one you can. Pshaw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea there was a swimming pool, but uh, that's pretty cool. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I've never been swimming there. Wow. And now that I think about it, maybe there was. I was more focused on uh, other activities last year, (laughs) like the the stage with all the live music and uh, Buzz's Big Gay Dance Party, of course. I'm looking forward to... Going there and gang it up and uh, Buzz's Buzz's Big Gay Dance Party, I believe, is now rebranded as Buzz's Bigger. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it will be bigger this year and longer, right? I'm not sure necessarily longer. I do know it is going to be held in um, the Free 603 Bowl, which will be the area Uh, in front of the pavilion. Yeah, the the big open area. Yeah. With the incredible view of the mountains. Yes, exactly. And And who is this mysterious organization, Free 603? 
Um, this mysterious organization <laughs> will uh, remain promotionless until I actually uh-huh. come up with something to go with the awesome <laughs> brand name. So right now I'm just creating buzz, but you know we'll figure it out. I think it's going to be some sort of website that is community-based within New Hampshire. So it's not a free state project thing. It is a liberty-oriented activist community localist you know thing because one of the things i i do see once we move here you know uh, uh, most of us here you know we have day jobs so we actually get to interact with people and um you mean with with locals outside of our liberty friendly bubble yes (laughs) and and i do find that a lot of those people within uh outside that bubble Kind of, you know, want to be in the bubble, too. Like, there's a reason New Hampshire was chosen as the state, because our friends and neighbors are not that far removed Mm. from from our way of thinking. And I think that, you know, we should be reaching out to them more. I had the same experience. I came from Massachusetts and I... oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was bad. (laughs) I just remember sitting there and... Oh, it was horrible just noticing all the ways that the government encroached in my life. And the scarier, the even scarier thing was some of the things that I didn't notice about how they encroached on my life until I moved to New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Like nowadays, I would never even think of, you know, paying a sales tax or paying an income tax, filing an estate income tax or something mm-hmm. like that. That would just be like a foreign concept to me. But I did those things when I lived in Massachusetts, I- unfortunately. I, you know, Disgusting. I, I was doing an interview earlier this week with um, a very, very, very handsome French reporter <laughs> who looks exactly like <laughs> Mel from Firefly and Serenity. And I just became a total idiot because I couldn't because I mean, he was hot and then he had a French accent and I was like, drool. I, you know, I, I, I'm sure I flubbed that. J'adore Carla. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, don't stop. Oh, they're trying. They're trying to buy you out already, Carla. They're trying. They're they're, they're putting they're, their French they're reporters the, the on French you. Reporters. Oh God, you know, yeah. I guess my price is not very high. <laughs> but um, but one of the things, uh, you know, we were talking about was whatever we were just talking about, which was J'adore. <laughs> See, now I can't think at all. (laughs) Um, It was not part fest. It had, oh, oh, uh, income taxes. And, um, you know, and I was explaining to him that the bubble in. I know. I know. It it, it was sexy until right then. Yeah. (laughs) But but, um, I was explaining to him he lives in New York and I used to live in New York City, you know, and I said, well, he was like, well, you keep saying there's no income tax in New Hampshire. And he was like, what does that mean? And I was like, well, you know, like in New York, we have federal income tax and then you have state income tax and then you have like a 12 or a 15 percent city income tax. I mean, the taxes in New York City are insane. Mm. I was like, well, so in New Hampshire, you just have to pay that federal part, but not the other two. And I could actually see like little lights going off in his very, very dreamy eyes. <laughs> oh. Well, you never know. He might be inspired and move to New Hampshire and he'll say it's all because of you. Oh, yeah. Kala, the- you're <laughs> the reason I came Shut to New up. Hampshire. <laughs> It's just because it's Valentine's Day. That's right. <laughs> or almost. <laughs> yeah. So he writes for the Libera- Liberation yeah. uh, paper in France, which I think is uh, 
very closely allied to the government in France, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. So maybe you won't be so dreamy and and uh, happy about him when you read what he writes. I, you know, and I, I'll be curious. I've certainly had those experiences where, you know, it just, I mean, I think it's part of a good journalist's job is to sort of just, you know, wheel you in. Um, but I've had fairly positive experiences in talking to people where they're not necessarily on board with what we're doing. But I think if you frame things in a way that they, um, you know, if, if if you're a good journalist, even if you don't agree with, with the point of view, you should be able to at least objectively mm-hmm. report on a story. You know, so if he just gets the tax stuff right, you know, maybe oh. that's a win. Or And it's going to be in French, so... <laughs> I'm lost in translation. Like, <laughs> well, no, <laughs> there are some, a lot of the things like the ideas that we have are just basically impossible to argue with. You know, they're just, they make sense. And most people have just never heard them before. So suppression is a common tactic used in the media. They just don't talk about these ideas, you know. So as long as they're getting out there at all, I think that's often a win because exactly. they're being yeah. presented whereas they would normally be ignored right and and it goes back to that saying which i will flub but one of you two will get right where it's um you know first they ignore you then they talk about you and then they whatever oh, <laughs> first yeah. they ignore you then they laugh, laugh at, at you, you and, then they and, fight you and then you win, win and that's gandhi yes okay i was just googling that quote right before you got to the nice. studio i was using it in an article <laughs> and um and you know i'm sort of at the i think when ron paul ran last time they were at the laugh at you stage that mm. no one understood and people were and just ignore. like, that's crazy, you know, and and we've moved beyond that significantly. Like, I really oh, do yeah. feel incredibly optimistic and incredibly positive because, yeah, so it's, you know, some dreamy reporter from France <laughs> from a bad newspaper. But I'm like, hey, he's here. He's doing a story on the Free State Project. Mm-hmm. Our, and- our, our fame is spreading. Yes, indeed. And uh, we're going to get Carla some more spicy Tom Yum soup so she becomes even (laughs) spicier next segment. (laughs) And this is She Talk Live. We will be back. When we return, you should give us a call, 603-435-1105. That is, once again, 603-435-1105. We'll be back. This is She Talk Live. Thank you so much for sticking with us. We do appreciate you listening to our show tonight. This is Stephanie here with you. And Lauren. And Carla. And we are on video. <laughs> like doing We're double cams doing here. Doing double time, yeah. <laughs> and this is She Talk Live, of course, and the show is about your calls. So you should give us a call at 603-435-1105. That's once again 603 603- Four three five eleven oh five. Let us know what's on your mind. We want to know if you are coming to the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Isn't that right, ladies? Yes. Yes. And you can see all the um, uh, New Hampshire guys with their shirts off. Yes. Uh, and possibly some ladies. <laughs> no promises, though. I think we should definitely do jello wrestling. Now that I'm not in charge, I'm going to encourage every oh. single awesome yet 
uncontrollable, you don't want to manage it idea that came up. <laughs> do you still have that paper plate that you were writing down the ideas on, Carla? You had a, I, a wonderful list. I, I do have the wet t-shirt waterboarding contest. Yes, the wet t-shirt waterboarding <laughs> contest, um, which actually is an exhibit to my court case because mm. I, I don't think I've actually ever told the story. So when I got arrested... They went, they illegally searched my car. And arrested one of for things, filming the police. Yes. Totally arrest. ridiculous, victimless yes. crime, yada, yada. Yes. Thing. Good, good, good to mention. Yes. yes. So I'm a, I'm a fine, upstanding, uh, law abiding <clears throat> citizen. <clears throat> and um, fine, upstanding indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when I got arrested, one of the things they did is illegally seize and search my car. And they found this list that we had generated <laughs> one night when oh, a bunch of us were pretty drunk, pretty high, and um, we're just coming up with the most ridiculous things that we could possibly do. And the <laughs> for concept for, right. for, for the Porcupine Freedom Festival. So the list included things like um, dwarf tossing, Velcro <laughs> dwarf tossing, and um, wet t-shirt waterboarding. The idea behind the wet t-shirt waterboarding, of course, would be to sort of show how cruel waterboarding is mm. and sort of, you know, the wet t-shirt. So there, there was some logic behind that. Um, there was um, all kinds of absurd things on Cock there. Fighting, Cock right? fighting was on there, <laughs> yes. And um, and just for the record, these were all just, so, you know, pie in the sky, this is ridiculous, wouldn't it be funny if... That's why it was on a um, paper plate and not on the hard copy yes. of the and, idea of the master and, list. Um, and so that became an exhibit to my... <laughs> Um, to my charge and um, the, the way I knew that the officer had actually searched my car is they had come into the station I was chained to the pole and he I don't know if he thought he was just being you know very clever I mean you know we're talking about a 22 year old rookie cop and, and he was like so how about this cockfighting <laughs> and I was like oh you found that list good for you <laughs> And that's all I would say. Like, I wouldn't, you know, I didn't address anything. I was just like, what are they going to say? This lady's crazy with this crazy list. And I was like, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Unbelievable. So Porkfest. Yeah, so Porkfest. So Jello wrestling, sumo wrestling. I think we should have stocks and pelt people with Rotten tomatoes. <laughs> I think that is on the list. There is going to be a dunk tank there for sure as a fundraiser for. A dun- Are you doing that? Uh, sure, I'll do it. I'll Are come- you doing that? <laughs> that sounds like fun. Are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> and we're pointing to the oh. mysterious Ian Freeman. Yes, um. <laughs> he's off the mic, but he's in the studio. But yeah, I think uh, I think it's a fundraiser for the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund. Exactly, and what the yeah. Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund does is it um, raises money for our activists when they do get arrested here. You know, sometimes you know legal proceedings are expensive and. Mm. Um, given the right sort of case and the right sort of scenario, I think, uh, you know, they want to support certain activists, activists and uh-huh. just sort of help out with those expensive legal funds. And yeah, um, and there are also there are other roles to provide, um, you know, public relations kind of support exactly. publicity for their yep. case and, uh, you know, try to contact more people to get more attention going about it, because that's the real one of the real um boons, I guess, to civil disobedience is to draw attention to a certain issue and to get people talking about unjust laws and that it is okay to break unjust laws because they're hurting people or, you know, people are not harming anyone, but yet they're being 
put in cages and aggressed against. And the thing is, you know, I I think sometimes we lose sight of this is, is, you know, the, the, the state's aggression is actually really a double-edged sword because not only are they hurting the person they took and they put in the cage, they're also hurting all those other law-abiding citizens, the taxpayers yes. of America, who now have to pay to mm-hmm. keep someone who's not a bad guy in a cage. Yeah. So it's 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 doubly cruel in two different yes. ways. Yeah, at least. Yeah, at least. <laughs> yeah. So that was negative, but the positive stuff is, <laughs> is Pork how Fest. awesome Porkfest is going to be. And, if and you, where can you go to find out more and register to Porkfest? You can go to www.porkfest, with the C, P-O-R-C, fest.com. Indeed. And yeah, it is. P- <laughs> <laughs> it's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. And uh I made some promos for the Liberty Radio Network talking about pork fest, and I'm already getting so sick of uh, hearing them. I was just uh, hearing one during the break. And, and actually, um, you know, registration is o- open already. I believe we have over 120, 150 people have registered already. Oh, yeah. And um, there, there are probably going to be a thousand people there oh, to, this sure. year. Oh, for sure. Easily. Easily. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, there have already been, you know, about, uh, about 200 registrations as far as I understand it. Um, there are over 800 people saying that they'll attend on the Facebook event and then yeah. several, you know, hundreds of maybes as well. And then, you know, hopefully we have people like Michael and Nick who called in tonight. Michael said he wants mm-hmm. to come up. And in my personal experience, you know, I came to Porkfest many, many years ago, and that was sort of the the decision to move to New Hampshire was made after Porkfest. Yeah, be prepared if you come up and you're kind of eh, on the fence, like be prepared to not want to leave yes. because it's going to be awesome. And actually, we might give prizes to people who just don't leave. If you come to Porkfest <laughs> and you stay, you will get white chocolate from me once a year. Oh, so friendly, friendly But people. then you have to give her four, three times as expensive uh, in return oh, the next yes. spring, right? <laughs> the next Porkfest. It's going to cost you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's so many friends that you haven't met yet at Porkfest that's just amazing like everybody you see you bring up a conversation and go wow you think that too wow that is so cool yeah, yeah I like that phrasing Lauren friends you haven't met yet because it, it's so true it just when you're starting from a, a basis of things that you really fundamental things that you have in common already and you don't have to talk about the non-aggression principle because they already get it you know, they, they already embrace those ideas and they have other ideas that maybe you haven't heard before and, you you know, you, you share them and you, you form a bond. And these are really relationships that last a, a very long, long time. time. And also it's it's I think it's liberating in some ways. I, I don't know if many of our listeners ha- have this level of frustration, but I do. You know, I, I have a big circle of friends, so I have my libertarian friends and I have, you know, uh, left friends, right friends, whatever. And I. I have a level of frustration often when I talk to people who aren't libertarians or anarcho-capitalists or anarchists um, Uh where, you know, you're just you're trying to bring them along so much that, you know, it's it's a little frustrating. Mm -hmm. But something like Porkfest, you get together with people who already kind of think the way you do. So you can just have fun. Like you don't have to (laughs) fight about, you know. The nuances of a minarchist society, you know, or the yeah. because people kind of get it and and it's it's liberating. It's hugely fun. And it's yeah. the best week you could ever spend in in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I find that like if there's a specific person that, you know, is kind of interested or kind of on board with these ideas, but maybe needs a little, uh, I guess, encouragement or education or something. It's like 
instead of one person, which is you pushing on them, it's like they're, they're caught in a wave and they're kind of just swept up in, in this wave of freedom because they see so many other people and they're, they're surrounded by a culture of people who really, truly get these ideas. So that can be very powerful. And just, just showing, uh, showing others that, Hey, if you're on the fence about these ideas, if you're kind of interested in them, there are a lot of other people who embrace them and who are interested in them and live their lives according to these principles of non-aggression. And on the other end of the spectrum, uh, there's room for beginners there. And if you think you're a radical, you think you're a radical, do you? Come to Porkfest. You'll find people who are even more radical than you. Yes. Lauren will out-radical you (laughs) single-handedly. Come on. Right now. Let's go. Come on. Yes. So accept her challenge. Go to Porkfest.com. P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. This is She Talk Live. We'll be back. You should call us. 603-435-1105. She Talk Live. We'll be back. This is She Talk Live, otherwise known as Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition. These are your co-hosts with you. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Lauren. And Carla. Yes, and we thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Definitely do appreciate that. And if you would like to lend us your thoughts, you should go ahead and feel free to do so. Our number is 603-435-1105. One more time. Should we do a roundtable, ladies? 603-435-1105. 11.05. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I miss those days of the round table. We haven't done that in a while. So. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shucks. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> What's my number? <laughs> well, you did a good job, Carla. You remembered it. And oh, get, get your uh, your kill switch paused on Carla's uh, yes. microphone there. She almost said a bad I, I almost, almost did. But you know what? I have to say, for someone who has as potty a mouth as I do, <laughs> I think I've done... Marvelously. I think I, I I've agree, only Carla. sworn once and I think it was fart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and fart doesn't count. <laughs> There's a fart tax that we were talking about on the first She Talk Live. I remember that very well. Talking about the methane and the cows and the sheep in Australia. Something like that. Yes. Anyway, Lauren has a story. It's <laughs> far more interesting than this. <laughs> this is like a horror story from the... The historical files. Uh, mm. And uh, for Be those prepared. who like a psychological <laughs> thriller, it's here's one in real life. Back in 1947, there was a professor at Harvard named um, Henry Murray. Mm-hmm. And he had worked uh, in World War II uh, picking out spies. And he had interrogation techniques to um, to try and find people who were, you know, not affected by, by, in- by uh, stressful interrogations, he called it. Uh, about that time, uh, the Korean War was beginning, and some soldiers in the Korean War defected to the Korean side and didn't want to come back to the United States. And the CIA was was completely out of their heads, or, or somebody was, I guess, because they had a, an, enough money to to sponsor of quite a number of studies on this. Uh, they didn't want the soldiers to to be uh, um, influenced by brainwashing, and they thought the Koreans had this super brainwashing technique. And they wanted to find out what it was and how to counteract it. Make sure they inoculated everyone, all the pilots, so they wouldn't be brainwashed uh, if they got shot down. Mm-hmm. So um, this Henry Murray fellow uh, it had a method of stressful interrogation, which he used on Air Force pilots in, during the Korean War to uh, try and uh, break them, I guess, um, to find out if they would break and uh, become, uh, you know, docile and during uh 
uh, nice. humiliating uh, conf- or humiliating interrogations. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that that went on during the Korean War, and later on he got a grant to do another study, which he used um, decided to go to use some of his undergraduates at Harvard as the subjects. So he had a class. Uh, these students uh, thought they were going to a regular class. Uh, first assignment: um, write down all your uh, your personal goals and uh, aspirations and make it personal. Um, also put in there um, your sexual fantasies. And so, <laughs> and so... And people just did that. Yeah. Just gave it up. This, this was back in the 40s. It's Harvard. Okay. <laughs> this is a psychology thing. So, you know, oh, I guess... So trusting. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, maybe not so so great that they were trusting. But anyway, yeah. uh, second assign or second um, class meeting, they... Um, they said, okay, so now we're going to uh, switch papers and uh, talk with uh, your classmates about these these essays. And so they go, okay. And the, instead of doing that, though, they brought them into a room with bright light, shined it on their face, strapped them down to the table, put electrodes all over them to uh, measure their heartbeat and respiration. And uh, the uh, this guy in a suit comes walking in and he's hold, holding a paper and between his thumb and forefinger and kind of waggling it back and forth and going... What's this I see here? You got you want to be a mathematician, and the, oh, <laughs> wow, and yeah, yeah. so unethical, okay, yeah. <laughs> man. I, I mean, so he would uh, like try his best to humiliate them and insult them and try to get push their buttons without uh, their consent. By the way, yeah, that's just egregious. I, uh, and the, they 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 filmed this and the humiliating and the insulting and everything like that. If that's not bad enough, they played uh, this went on for three years. Three years mm-hmm. this. They used, they did this, and the same group of people were repeatedly uh, made to watch the the film of their uh, oh. humiliation. Ah, and That's so traumatic, yeah. yeah. And so uh, the the FBI had an interest in this, and so they gave uh, in the reports that were written to them. They they used code names of the uh, Harvard undergraduates. One of them was uh, only sixteen years old. He had had gotten early early accepted early into Harvard because he, he was such an advanced guy. And, uh, you know, the the, uh, uh, the lawyer guy they used as the humiliator, <laughs> that he would, like, say, what's that on your chin? Are you trying to grow a beard? <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> that's and, mean. Uh, yeah, anyway, but um, uh, this guy, uh, when they looked at the data of the respiration and uh, the heartbeat, that was, like, way... Oh, oh, what, uh, many times higher than the other people in the study. Mm-hmm. And uh, this person had a code name, Lawful. And uh, later on... <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the mystery part of the this story. Is, this is the, the mystery part. Who do you think this person turned out to be? What was his real name? Perhaps you, you know the story and you can call in and... And uh, yeah, get the punchline in here. But uh, yeah, we're gonna leave it as a cliffhanger for this. Like, <laughs> we'll reveal it in the next segment. But if you if you yeah. want to spoil the the uh, mystery, you should call us six zero three four three five eleven zero five is our number. And uh, if you can guess the riddle, well, we don't know if you'll get a prize, but at least you'll have the smug satisfaction of knowing that you <laughs> that you <laughs> you're smarter than everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> So, okay, well, while we leave that as a cliffhanger baking in people's brains for a little while, why don't we uh, talk about something? I had kind of a, a little bit of a personal issue that I wanted to talk about. This came up a few segments ago in the last hour when we were discussing 
how do people feel when they see those flashing blue lights in their rearview mirror, you know? And I said, I feel terrified. Now, that was my first reaction. But over the past few years, I've been really trying to work on that and trying to get rid of that paralyzing fear mm-hmm. that I have when I see a cop or interact with a cop. And it has gotten a lot better over time. But um, just just personally, I've always kind of had that, like, you know, I didn't have too many experiences with uh with police early on and so I just kind of became afraid of them I heard all these police brutality stories and it was just like oh you know the fear kind of took hold and I I get uh, this involuntary inter- didn't interact with Massachusetts cops uh actually not so much I mean I I did unfortunately go to a government school and there was a cop in the school which which well, was that's horrible <laughs> yeah it was uh it was unfortunate but I was scared of him I mean mm-hmm. I you know he was not someone that I wanted to interact with, and so I basically avoided him as much as possible. And as a tangent, uh, I don't know if you've anyone who's been to Massachusetts and seen the uh, state troopers, do they call them, or the highway patrol, or the state stateies, whoever they are. Stadies. They have got quite the outfit. They look just like uh, you know, they have high shiny boots and oh. uh, one of those you know, yep. hats and uh, you know, the pants that come out at the thighs, you yep. know, like mm-hmm. for, for riding riding horses, I I'm guess. pretty sure they're yeah. practicing goose-stepping yeah. in their free time. <laughs> they're, they're very intimidating looking. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they also, of course, and, and I believe they now have, have it in New Hampshire as well, but Massachusetts is rife with um, unmarked police vehicles. Oh, yeah. And, you know, to me, that just seems like a travesty. I mean, if you're scared enough when the blues come on, um, yeah. Why would I pull over for some black car that looks like a cockroach? That's about to... <laughs> How fitting a metaphor, actually. <laughs> but, you know, I actually had a friend uh, when I was a kid whose father had just happened to have the same like dark blue Ford Taurus that all the undercover cops use. And he said that when he would drive behind people, they would slow down. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they thought he was an undercover cop. And it just shows how they get into people's heads. Yes. How they they make people see these archetypical sing- symbols, you know, the blue lights flashing in the rear view or the, the whatever. Or the, the bell ringing for the dogs that are about to be fed or, you know, like a, yeah. like a, a behavioral <laughs> response. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, but Carly, like you didn't Carla. get a gold star, a gold star this time when she did that. <laughs> Sorry, I, in case any of our listeners were wondering, that is me doing a... It's a tradition, what? really. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what it is. I think it's a seal clapping its head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, when it gets a gold star, it, it gets very happy. Yes, <laughs> but I haven't I haven't earned my gold star tonight yet. Oh, you will, Carla. Um, you will. But back to the police, yes, <laughs> yeah. and sort of that idea of of the fear because I had, um, you know, when I moved here from South Africa, I was terrified of the police in South Africa because we grew up in a police state, and so I had mm. a good sense of that. And I quite foolishly, when I moved here, I really did believe the the American dream propaganda, blah blah and then sort of came to this slow, horrifying realization that, oh, God, I just moved from a police state into <sighs> another one. Yeah. Out of the oh, frying pan into the fire. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, at first I wasn't scared of cops here, but now I am. Yeah, I I think we should talk about this more as well as reveal the ending to the cliffhanger story. When we return, this is She Talk Live. Of course, you are welcome to give us a call. Join the conversation at 603-435-1105. This is She Talk Live. We'll be right back. Stay right there. This is She Talk Live. Welcome back to our show. Thank you so much for listening. 
Stephanie here with you. And Lauren. And Carla. Yes, indeed. We love it when you listen to our show. (laughs) We like to pour our content into your ears. And uh, (laughs) if you would like to share your thoughts with us, call us at 603-435-1105. One more time. 603, round table. 435. 1105. Oh, that was so sultry. It was very <laughs> sensuous. <laughs> Carla's thinking about the French journalist again. <laughs> and actually, I had a, I'm had pretty sure I had a point with that whole story, and it wasn't just to be like how dreamy he was. And the point was, he kept asking about sort of the utopianism mm. of our vision. And... I found that really interesting because to me it wasn't, you know, Lauren and I were talking over the break and the newspaper he writes for is sort of um, state, statist, maybe? statist, yeah. Mm-hmm. And As you know, a, most reporters you would talk to would be statist, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. And um, so I had some reservations about talking to him, but I, I sort of subscribe and someone's going to have to convince me otherwise that no publicity is bad publicity. I still sort of believe that. I yeah. definitely agree. Yeah. And um, because, you know, at least it creates buzz and people are talking about something as opposed to nothing. Mm-hmm. And um, but I thought it was interesting that he kept asking sort of this, you know, he almost seemed on board. He's like, yeah, that actually all sounds kind of awesome. But you guys are a bunch of utopians and it could never work. And and I didn't really have very good answers to that question. So I kind of want to throw it open to you two. And and get a sense from you. I mean, my answer to him was sort of like, well, everything is utopian. I mean, you know, <laughs> well, hey, would you, so would you, you believe not in statism s- and you want to suppress people and that's your utopia. So, yeah. you know, hey. and you think you could fix problems with guns and wars and stuff. That sounds utopian to me. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let, let's spread peace by killing, killing 200 people. million people yeah. per 100 years. That's utopian. Yeah. I would just say to that. What's wrong with striving for the ideal? Right. You know, shoot for the moon and you'll land among the stars, right? Isn't that the saying? Oh, that's like a that? good saying. Should yeah. we sing? <laughs> is there a song that goes with that? I don't know, I but if there isn't, there should be. Oh, you would love to. Oh, Thursday night at my birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm there. <laughs> if you would like to hear Carla sing, you should call and, and uh, encourage her. Yes. Let's say. We do accept donations, of course. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you, you do know I'm a horrible singer like like excruciating oh, I think like you downplay your abilities no no, no 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 listen no. to her sultry voice and that 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 uh, like um sort of janice joplin sort of uh timber that she has yeah, yeah. i thought it would yeah. be great uh, yeah. you, you would think so except i sing like this <laughs> <laughs> i sing really high i don't know it's weird it's just yeah it's a freak show <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a good freak show. <laughs> Free State Project now. The Freak State Project. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have actually been called that by the status, but uh but back to what you would answer for this reporter, the um attractive yet uh doubtful uh, about liberty reporter. <laughs> you know, it is possible since you're saying that he was thinking like, Oh, this is kinda awesome, but uh oh it could never work. You know, he's probably he's a journalist, right? Think about Mm. his frame of reference. He's probably grown up in a society where Mm. all of his, you know, he said, oh, I want to be a journalist when I grow up. So he goes to school and all of his journalist professors are are saying all this, you know, having basically having a certain ideology and putting that into their classes and speeches and stuff. And that's what he grew up with. And so he knows like one thing. 
And he's probably never been remotely ex- exposed to these views before, but yet human beings have this innate drive for freedom and free will and the sense of autonomy and a sense of uh, self-ownership. And I think those concepts are really easy to understand because they're innate. Right. And so you're appealing to his innate sense of, of freedom and embracing these ideas of liberty, but then his uh, statist, you know, top-down mental um, conditioning conditioning yeah, yeah. yeah thank His you Lauren. mind control yeah <laughs> <laughs> is kind of uh at odds with that, at odds with his natural feelings. I so. think a, a journalist uh, candidate for journalism would probably go, "Oh, I can, I can, uh, um, uh, you know, dig up uh, things about uh, the things about uh, horrible people doing horrible things, and I can bring it to light." Oh, a journalism's life would be so great. And then when yeah. he finally gets his job being a journalist, what, what does he do? He like lapdog of the state. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, it, so yeah. maybe that's what happened. Who knows? What that yeah. could be? What, what his experience is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, we haven't seen the article yet, so I'm giving Mr. McDreamy the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. Well, it wouldn't be McDreamy. It would be uh, like uh, uh, Dreamy or something. Yeah. <laughs> something French. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm trying uh, to think what Mac might be in French, but no, I'm kind of not blank. worth it. We're not, <laughs> we're not very polylingual here. No. Hey. <laughs> we did call, call I, Carla the queen in Spanish. So yes. I think we get points for that. Okay. Gold star, Carla. Yay. <laughs> there you go. There's your requisite gold star for She Talk Live this time. <laughs> but no, what, what to say to this person who says we're utopian? Well, I mean, striving for ideals is always a good thing. But also, crap, you know, uh, <laughs> that's not what I was about to say, but wouldn't you want to live in a place, w- given the choice to live anywhere in the world, would you want to live in a place where you get, get to control more of your own decisions, uh, your own money, your own ability to do business as you see fit, and voluntarily interact with other human beings? Would you want more control over that stuff or less? And that's the fundamental question of statism versus freedom. Of course. Yeah. Are you the best one to manage your life or is someone else? And I think if you if you frame it like that to most people, they'll say, well, I'm the best one. I want to manage my own life. But the tricky part, and this is a conversation, I mean, I'm sure we've all had ad nauseum, is yes, they will say yes. Yes, you, But Stephanie, all those other people. Are, but... <laughs> Oh, you know, those poor people or those uneducated people or those religious people or those homeschooled people or those uh, drug addict, drug people. addicts <laughs> or whatever mm-hmm. they they can. So, you know, we need to make these rules to control that segment of society to which mm-hmm. I say I'm like, are how's people, that working out in France yeah. and status? Yeah, <laughs> right. And 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 it's, uh, you know, you can make a much more fundamental argument and this will sound harsh, but it's. Oh, are those people people or are they animals? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. can they decide for themselves? Yeah. Or do you need to do it for them? Because if you, Mm -hmm. because then it becomes an issue of you have to set your mind free for those people because it's a conditioning. It's also conditioning. It's, you know, oh, the poor can't look after themselves or the dumb can't look after themselves or the whatever. But we have to let go of that way of thinking. Well, uh, yeah. you have to give them a chance. I mean, uh, how do people ever learn to become independent? And I mean, you have to let them fail, let them make mistakes. Right. Yeah. And I also like the argument of, you know, those those ends of taking care of those people in society, the means of achieving that that end 
has to be compatible with the end itself. And so you just can't use violence to solve problems and create peace. You know, it just, it's not fundamentally not compatible. If you want to um, marry someone and have a partner, you don't force someone, (laughs) you know, Uh, if you want to get a piece of property, you don't steal it. You voluntarily uh, arrange to get it by, by trading with someone. And I think breaking it down to that very fundamental, you know, I, I don't know exactly how all of these things would be taken care of, but at least it's not using force. Is it right to use force on everyone to attempt to achieve these ends that may be well-intentioned and good, but is it going to work out in the end if we use force on others? And is that right? And no, it's not right. Right. Yeah, it it's doesn't not. matter what you do with the money if you're stealing it from people. It's, mm. You got to stop stealing from people. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. It, stealing and using it for something quote unquote good mm-hmm. doesn't make it right to, to steal. So, And, you know, like we said earlier with the double-edged sword, even when they're trying to do good with money, they're doing bad. You know, when, when what, it's 70 cents on every dollar um, goes to bureaucracy, I think, within the government, but most um, private charities, it's 30 cents goes to administration. Mm. So, you know, just in, in pure numbers, you know, they're never they're never doing good, even when they're trying it. Indeed. And we do have a call waiting on the line, but I think we're going to wait till the next segment. Oh, we still have Lauren's cliffhanger. Yeah. I didn't oh, reveal who that was yet. the guy who was tortured by the Harvard professor? <laughs> Indeed. If you know dum, the answer, dum, call dum. us. 603-435-1105. This is She Talk Live, and we'll be back. This is She Talk Live. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're very excited to have you listening. <laughs> oh, things are going crazy here in the studio tonight. We always have a blast when we do She Talk Live. <laughs> Check us out on the cam if you want to see what we're referring to. Cam.lrn.fm or cam.freetalklive.com. You can uh, watch our lovely faces uh, rocking out to the intro music. And this is Stephanie here with you. And Lauren. And Carla. And we do have a couple of calls on the line. First, we have uh, Matt from Illinois. Is this Matt? Yes. Hello, Matt. Yes, this is. Matt, you sound like you have a cold, and I heard you call in a couple days ago to the weekday Free Talk Live and uh, talking about some cold medicine that you couldn't find anymore. Do you still Are you still sick? Yeah, I'm st- I still got a pretty bad cold, and I, I went out today and bought some of the stuff that you have to show your ID to buy. Oh. They think that you're going to make a, a dangerous yeah. cocktail out of it. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, I, 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 I disapproved, and I was talking to the to the uh, uh, pharmacist about it, and he, he was in total agreement with what he was saying. He thinks it's silly, too. Hmm. And um, uh, which you know, which I find interesting. I think most people think that this is a, it's just a stupid law. Yeah, well, oh, I, you know, what? I could imagine if you're a pharmacist, you basically become an unpaid deputy agent yeah. of the state because the you have to enforce bitch. this ridiculous crap that nobody, you know, people just want to come and get their cold medicine so they can feel better. The vast majority of people are not making meth. They weren't making meth before when it was still legal to buy it. And the people who right. are making meth are going to get their meth-making supplies somewhere else. Somewhere anyway. else. So and, you know, the guy. This thought occurred to me. This isn't why I called, but this thought occurred to me because the guy took my ID and went over to a computer or something, and he was 
punching numbers in. I'm assuming my my uh, driver's license number he was punching in. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, the guy, what if I had a warrant for my arrest or something? Mm-hmm. Was, you know, this is, a, this is a hell of a way for the police to to find people that if you get sick and you've got a warrant or you're, you know, wanted for tax evasion or something like that, you better not go out and buy that stuff. You better send somebody else to do it for you. Yeah, that's a good, very good point. So, uh, Matt, I know that I'm sorry to hear that you're sick, by the way. I just uh, wanted to let you know. I hope you feel better. But uh, you did, I think, have something else that you wanted to bring up tonight. Wasn't that right? Yeah, I, well, I appreciate the sentiment. And, um, yeah, what, well, what happened was um, you guys brought uh, brought up that cliffhanger. So I went online to try to find out who this person was. Because <laughs> I'm impatient. I don't want to wait. And um, <laughs> and I I found this article on crack dot com five psychological experiments that prove humanity is doomed. <laughs> Yay. Oh, that's a pretty good title. <laughs> and I I started reading it, and all of a sudden I realized that you guys were back on the air because you know when you read you kind of shut shut down what's going on around you. You're not really listening. I thought I'd missed the. Um, the cliffhanger, so I was calling to ask if you would repeat it, but apparently you haven't even said who it is yet. We we reneged on our <laughs> promise. We uh, <laughs> didn't we, we? We said that we would say it in the next segment, and then that segment we didn't say it. So you you didn't miss anything. But uh, Lauren, do you want to big give, go for the big reveal? <laughs> uh, as a recap, um, in 1947, a Harvard professor named Henry Murray did experiments on undergraduates, uh, where he um, ended up. Um, uh, strapping people down, shining lights in their eyes, taking films of them becoming or being humiliated uh, on on their most personal ideas and and uh, and innermost thoughts. And one of the uh, victims of this uh, study was uh, a codename Lawful, who later turned out, who later uh, got a degree at Harvard, uh, became a math teacher uh, at Berkeley, California. Quit there and moved to Montana and lived in a cabin, a very, very small cabin, and his name was Ted Kaczynski. Oh, he was the Unabomber. The Unabomber. Oh, dun dun dun. dun. <laughs> <laughs> so, see, I, when I heard this really? story for the first time, Matt, I was thinking it has to be a politician. I was, I was thinking for yeah. sure it was a politician, but I was surprised. Oh, I mean, I yeah. would, uh, I would George bet Clark. and all good the other money, yeah. Wes Clark and Jimmy. whoever that McCain. Oh, oh yeah. for sure, both of them. I'm yeah. sure a lot of other uh, politicians were in that class, and that didn't come up on the on the uh, you know oh. the press. Yeah, I actually. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. I was going to say real quick: the five experiments that prove. Humanity is doomed. Number mm-hmm. five is the Ash Conformity Experiment. Number uh, that, four is. The, can you give a little bit brief synopsis of each one? Because I'm kind of curious to hear. Okay, these. that that's the one that um, they have the guy, to... the guy, the guy, the subject would come into the room, and there'd be four or five other people in the room, and the uh, experimenter would show him, would show the other people these pictures, and tell them. Um, Tell them to like ask a question about the picture, and they would give an obviously wrong, wrong answer. answer. Oh, and every there would four out of five people would be plants, plants, and, they and would so say, one person, right. and so it's sort of peer group pressure yeah. oriented, where it's right. like 
oh no, which one's the shortest straw? But it's like clearly right. that one, but everyone mm-hmm. says it's the other one. Mm-hmm. And often the per- the fifth person would conform to yes. the wrong answer. Oh boy. I would not do that. 32%. 32%. One, one third of them would conform. Wow. How much you want to bet that that's even higher now because the government schools oh, yeah. have done such a good job of indoctrinating people to be such conformists? Yes. Oh, yeah, you're probably right. I didn't even think of that. Mm. We should um, redo. That would be a fun project yeah. to do is just redo do these at, experiments. Uh, uh, okay, at Port Fest, I'm, I'm it would be 0%. I will do that in the free 603 tent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're well, going to be... Re- it would be interesting to do it at Port Fest and then do it at some other uh, more, um, say, like a... Like the Republican National Convention or something. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good idea. You know, actually, because so often, this is what they don't say, but so often so many of these psychological experiments are actually done on undergraduates in college. So they're usually of a very similar age, a similar education level, you know, oh. probably kind of similar socioeconomic status and demographic and, and so forth. And, the, you know, it's often because these professors uh, that are doing these experiments, you know, offer college credit in exchange for, you know, being in the psychology class, you have to do two, at least two experiments. Because I actually did take wow. a psychology 101 class in, in college. And as part of the class, you could get extra credit if you were in these experiments. Oh, wow. <laughs> you poor guinea pig, you. I, 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 um, I actually subjected my baby daughter to a psycho- psycho- psychological experiment because uh-oh. I was down in Champaign at the time. It, it was just, she was, she was just an infant and... I had her sitting on my lap, and they would show her illusions um, that made it look like the physical world, you know, the laws of physics weren't weren't working. Uh-huh. And then they would take pictures of, of their face to see if they showed any sign yeah. of surprise or not when they saw it. So it was mm-hmm. actually quite an interesting experiment. That is interesting. And do you know what the results were? Were they thinking that babies okay. can recognize these laws of physics at that age? Yeah, the, Pretty, or the, um, the the results were pretty much that somewhere in the neighborhood of eighty percent of uh, children under two hmm. um, would would show surprise. And you know, my daughter was like six months old at the time, something like wow. that, maybe a little older. That's amazing. So, um, so Matt, can we yeah. can we hang on to you because I want to hear the rest of these experiments. We'll bring you back at the uh, I, at the next segment. I would okay? love it if you would hang on to me. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> uh, spoken like a true genius. We will hold on to Matt and we'll bring him back next segment. <laughs> this is She Talk Live. We'll be back. <laughs> this is She Talk Live. Welcome back. Thank you for sticking with us. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Lauren. And Carla. <laughs> we were having an interesting conversation about dinosaurs during the break and why little kids play with dinosaurs. <laughs> and uh, some and of us that's are... not a euphemism. No, no, no way. <laughs> not everything we say is a double entendre, I swear. But uh, we, we, we did have Matt on the line. We were speaking with him in the last segment about some interesting psychological experiments, including one that involved uh, his daughter and that she knew the laws of physics, even at a very infantile stage. So, Matt, are you still there? Yes, I am. Thank you for hanging on. So, what was the next experiment in this article that you found? Because you had you were citing an article that was four psychological experiments that demonstrate that humanity is doomed. <laughs> yeah, five, five. Oh, five. Excuse me. Kids play with dinosaurs because they can go ah 
<laughs> you know, that sounds even scarier from a man with a sore throat. <laughs> um, number four is the Good Samaritan experiment. And that was an experiment given to a group of seminary students. And in the, in the Bible, there's a story of the Good Samaritan who stops and helps a wounded person on the road while other people are just passing them by. So the students are are told to read the story, and then they're told, told they need to give an essay uh, or a, a sermon. They need to give a sermon on the story, uh-huh. and some of them are in a hurry. Some of them are rushed. They have to do it right away, and others have more time uh, in a different building across the campus. Uh-huh. And then the other half of the group was just uh, they're told to give a sermon about job opportunities in the seminary. So okay. they don't know anything about the uh, the Good Samaritan story. Okay. So what happens is on the way to the sermon that they're supposed to give, they pass a person that looks like he's been beaten up in a back alleyway. Mm. And they're, they're, they're looking to see how many of these people are going to stop and help them. And they interpret it and as a sign from God, right? <laughs> yeah, no, there was, there was no difference between oh, wow. the, pe- the people who hadn't read the story of the Good Samaritan and those who had wow. read the story of the Good Samaritan didn't affect them. The biggest, the biggest factor seemed to be time. If, oh. they were in a, if they were in a hurry, they would pass the guy by. Wow! And just sorry, I can't help you. I'm in a rush. Yeah. <laughs> right? Too bad you're bleeding, <laughs> but nah. I got to get okay. my uh, degree in uh, in divinity. Wow! <laughs> yeah, at pressed for time, only ten percent would stop to give any aid even when they were on their way to give a sermon about how awesome it is for people to stop and give aid. <laughs> wow. I, I can't help you because I have to go help some people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. What was, so what was the next one? Uh, number, number three was called the bystander apathy experiment. And that was given as a uh, result of a story in New York in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, where some woman was stabbed to death, and oh. 38 people supposedly saw or heard something, and nobody called the police. Nobody even called the police. Nobody did nothing. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't recommend so, calling the police by, you know, anything like that, but maybe check on her, <laughs> see if she's all right. Yeah, nobody went out, nobody went out to help her. Yeah. Nobody yelled at the guys that were attacking her. Mm. I mean, they just wow. totally, you know, the... the so the, the thought by psychologists is maybe it's because they were in a large group and they figured somebody else would do something. Yeah. So what they did was they they set up a an experiment where <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. They set up an throat. experiment where um, they were talking to somebody and they either thought they were in a group or they thought they were alone. Everybody was in a different room and they were talking over um, loudspeakers. It was supposedly about something very personal. And one person uh, has what seems like a, a fit of some kind. And if people were in a group, if they if they thought there was other people there, they wouldn't, they're, they're, only uh, 30% would do anything about it. Oh, boy. But if, if hey, you were talking, if... Yeah. If you thought it was one-on-one, 85% would do something about it. Yeah, that's a striking difference. Yes, and that's a good call for individualism. 
101. No, you know, this actually happened with Pork 411. There was somebody who put out a Pork 411 saying, I need help. And uh, for whatever reason, there was only, you know, one or two people who called and asked, hey, are you okay? And the person who put the Pork 411 was uh, disappointed because, you know, she needed help and was hoping that people would call her. But yet a lot of the people who heard the message but didn't ask if the caller was okay said something like, oh, well, I thought somebody else had it covered. You know, I thought, oh, what can I do about it? I, I, other people are already on it. So yeah, this that, is yeah, a very real experiment. phenomenon. Yes, by, bystander uh, apathy experiment, that one's called. So, mm-hmm. Let me guess, the next, the next two are Milgram and uh, the Stanford Prison Experiment. Stanford ex- Prison mm-hmm. Experiment, right. Yep. Yeah. Right. Are we all familiar so, with those? I think, I think we are. <laughs> I think most people are, exper- are, are familiar with those. And, and it, you know, I think that it's good that people are familiar with these because if you realize that, then if you're put into a similar situation, perhaps you'll be more likely to step back and say, wait a minute, you know, why am I acting like this? Why am I uh, uh, doing this? Is, this? is this just, am I reverting back to a, a primitive state? <laughs> or am I acting like an advanced human, thoughtful human being should act? Right, and I, <laughs> I think to some extent with these sorts of things, once, um, once you start to live your life from sort of a principled standpoint where you kind of know where you're coming from and why you're coming from the places you're coming from, mm-hmm. I think things like this become easier to deal with because oh, yeah. you, you know, I... I, I you know, I'm an anarchist. I, I don't have much time for politicians. But, you know, if I have to like a politician, I would say I actually really do like Ron Paul. And the reason is because he's pretty principled for a. I mean, I think he's very principled for a politician. Mm-hmm. And um, going back to sort of that idea with the interview with the, the, the dreamy guy, it, it was how we keep coming back to that. <laughs> Right. But but it was it was interesting because it was the first time where I had been in a situation where I was like, I'm kind of nailing this because I know where I'm coming from. And so I guess my point with the experiments is sort of if you know you're never going to torture someone. Yeah, you you pretty much are not going to be the guy turning up the dial and listening to the fake screams from the other side. Like if you start to know, you know, you subscribe to the non-aggression axiom, you, you know, you just you start to figure out who you are as a human being. And that's what's so powerful about this philosophy, because it it, you you understand who you are and how Mm. you are. And then people can throw, you know, I'm sure the three of us could come up with like the most twisted experiment to show how doomed mankind is. But I'm like, <laughs> really what we're trying to do is to say, if you think about these ideas, look how undoomed we can be. Right. If you have philosophy, if you have a sound basis for your ideas, then you have ethics and you, you have a basis for how you treat other human beings. And you don't just have, um, you know, biology or human instinct or whatever, human nature, as some people like to make the argument that, oh, these things are human nature. Like, I think this article, even though the title is kind of tongue in cheek, it's making the argument that this is human nature. It's it's uh, descriptive ethics, right? It's this is how things are, not this is how things should be. But no, we are human beings. There is something that sets us apart from animals. We have free will and we can always decide how we're going to act and how we're going to treat other people. And we feel shock at reading the results of those things. So there's help for us. Yes. Right. Indeed. But I, 
you know, I think that the most striking example is the Milgram prison experiment and think about the TSA. Oh, and yeah. if people, if, if, if TSA agents knew about that um, experiment, perhaps they'd be, more of them would be going, you know, wait a minute. I don't want to go up in that guy's junk or that mm-hmm. lady's junk. Yeah, just because I, I put on a uniform doesn't mean I have right. the right to, to touch someone else in, in their private parts. Matt, thanks so much for the right. call. This is a very enlightening talk about all these experiments. We certainly do appreciate your call and hope you feel better. And we'll be back with more She Talk Live. You should give us a call, 603-435-1105. Heading into our final segment, we'll be back. Call us now. We're back. This is She Talk Live. Thank you so much for sticking with us as we head into the final segment of the show. My lady co-hosts are headbanging. <laughs> There's a different dance every time we come back from break. Woo! <laughs> now, in the last segment, we said that we are not animals, and there's something that sets us apart, but from those sounds, I'm not, not, not quite so sure. <laughs> I'm not sure what that was. That that sort of segued into that, um, that was singing a, thing. Uh, it also segues into the di- dinosaur uh, segment, because it sounded like a pterodactyl scream to me. <laughs> Yes, whatever it was, it was not pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, anyway, this is Stephanie here with you. And Lauren. And Carla. Yes, indeed. And we're so glad you're here. There is time to squeeze in your call, but you're going to have to make it quick because we're almost done for the evening. About to retire. (laughs) And uh, if you would like to call us, our number is 603-435-1105. That's 603-435-1105. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Anarchy. It threw me off. Somehow it worked out just fine. Strange <laughs> well, how that is. It's a very strange, a spontaneous order. But we we do have a call on the line. I believe we've got uh, Abel in New Hampshire wanting to talk about the TSA. Is that you, Abel? That would be me, yes. Uh, hi there, Stephanie, Lauren, and Carla. Good hey. to talk to all of you. Nice to talk with you, too. <laughs> and what was on your mind tonight? Um, well, y- you know, you ended your last conversation uh with Matt talking about TSA, and uh, and I wanted to kind of relate a story about the TSA that uh, uh, you know I heard from uh, uh, from Ernie Hancock, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's a, you know back when um, uh, they started the no fly thing, and they were going to uh, have demonstrations at the airports with the uh, you know against the TSA, and, and part of what they were doing out in, in Arizona was handing out these packages. And one of the items in the packages, besides information uh, that was, uh, you know, about our liberties and rights and what have you, mm-hmm. they also had a radiation badge Ooh. because huh. the uh, TSA... Uh, even though they have a radiation-producing uh, device, you know that that these the people have scanners. to work with the all porno the time. scanners, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, if you work in the hospital in the radiology department, you get a badge that that uh, right. accumulates your your exposure to radiation, mm-hmm. and uh, they have decided not to give that to TSA agents. Huh. So, so they were. Uh, so the people who. Let me just clarify, Abel. The, the people who were handing out these packets were not were giving 
the radiation badges to passengers or to TSA agents because they wanted them to... To TSA agents so that... Uh-huh. Uh, th- that those agents could be made aware that their own organization mm-hmm. has so little care about their their own health. Interesting. Uh, that, uh, because, you know, you know and, the, and, the government's not going to care. I mean, they, uh, you know, we're talking about a government that did nuclear experiments on families in, you know, various army sites and those kinds of things. So I th- I think that's a really effective tool to... Try and, you know, sort of talk across the aisle. I think there are opportunities to talk to the bad guys, in quotes, Mm -hmm. the TSA agents. I'm not sure about the police. I think that's a big horse to settle Mm -hmm. up. But there are uh, the pharmacist from the call earlier. Yeah. Well, those people are the people that we can start to reach where if you talk to them and you're like, why are you doing this? Why are you just following orders mm-hmm. and with someone like the TSA if you gave them that badge and 6 months later they're like oh my clicker is click 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 up to yeah, yeah you you fried yes <laughs> ladies and gentlemen i am taking it back to juice <laughs> Your, we come full circle here on She Talk Live. Your, your, your little misters are fried because you work for someone who is lying to you and making you do something that's evil. And not testing their own equipment that they're using on thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. No, and they won't let them be tested. No, I mean, there, yeah. was a, there was actually a, a um, private nonprofit organization that said look if you think these things are safe let us do a third party independent Mm. study so that we can bring out a report and verify what you're claiming and they refuse to let them do it ask yourself why yeah Oh, if you you got nothing to hide. <laughs> That's what they always say to us, right? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you I know think- who's representing the company is the or uh, uh, part of the company is Chartoff. Yes, jerk so, off, you know, as former. I like to call him. <laughs> yes, we're coming triple full circle. <laughs> <laughs> we did actually talk about this on the last uh, She Talk Live that there was this conflict of interest because the former Homeland Security director, this guy Michael Chertoff, uh, actually owns a either owns a company or owns a contractor or something like that that gets a sweetheart deal with the federal government to manufacture these porno scanner things right. and it's a huge conflict of it it's a, just a classic example of a revolving door something that happens quite often in the FDA is where you often hear about it right like the the executives of pharmaceutical companies are then asked to be on the FDA and then the FDA uh Panel members are then go recruited into the pharma companies and round and round they go. So it's the same exact thing. These contractors in the military industrial complex, the police state, you know, they're working for these contractors and they're in the government and they're back in the so-called private sector, which isn't really private (laughs) because there would, you know, there would probably, of course, there's a need for security in the free market. And this is something we should talk about. But there probably would be a lot more responsiveness to consumer demand and it would not be okay to touch people in very private regions of their body or subject them to untested x-ray machines that show p- images of them underneath their clothes that that just wouldn't fly in the free market there would no. not probably be a demand for that and if there were then at least you would be able to choose a different uh mode of transportation where you would not be subjected to that right 
And also, I mean, I, I, I do think we should address whether, yes, maybe security would be necessary in the free market, but it would be much less necessary. I mean, we have to also look at mm, root causes because, um, yeah, okay, That's so, you know, point, we've Carla. all seen, you know, uh, superhero movies where there's just the evil villain. <laughs> right. So maybe <laughs> yeah. those people would exist in our world if we just had our, you know, and in giant air quotes, utopian society, a society that was voluntary and free and people could just interact on it. But you know what? I'm like, why would we really need that much security? Because why would someone feel so desperate because of the way that someone else somewhere across the world is treating them killing their women, killing them, their children, killing them, yeah. those things would go away. They would dissipate within a actual, true, truly free society. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The, the government would be meddling in other countries, you know, and, and uh, inciting all these people to become angry at the U.S. government. And also people just... You know, people would have a picture of society where you deal with things by interacting with people on a voluntary level. That's for most people who don't work for the government. <laughs> you know, unless you're a cop and you roll out of bed every day and you're threatening and shaking down people. If you're living in this world, most of your interactions are voluntary. You know, your spouse who's next to you in bed is there because they want to be there. They, you know, they love you. You've persuaded them to be there. You go to work and you've made a deal with your employer. They're not holding a gun to your head to get you to be at work every day. Um, unless maybe you're in the military or something and you've right. signed a contract. And so, you know, most of the things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis are completely voluntary. And you know, if people, if if that fact would be more obvious to people, if that weren't so invisible, I guess, I think people would feel a lot less apprehension about letting go of the state right. because the state thrives on fear. They thrive yes. on fear, making people think that they're, they, they have to solve problems with violence because there's no other way. There's no alternative when in reality, there, almost a hundred percent of everything everyone does is voluntary interactions. And the, really 90% of the violence is actually coming from the state. Oh, absolutely. Yep. More than that, I would say. I mean, I would, you know, Much I more. would quite happily, I had this conversation with someone at work the other day where I said to them, look, let's say we have an anarchist society and, the, you know, and they were sort of making the, well, what if you live next to Ted Bundy and this serial killer, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I actually said to them, I will take my chances with every sociopath serial killer in the world as an alternative to Government force getting robbed every day. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. I would take my chances sociopaths. with yeah. you know how many serial killers historically have we had? Let's say for the sake of argument, and I think a hundred's a lot. Yeah, and why are they serial killers in the first place? Because probably of abuse and trauma that they've suffered oh, in their sure. past. Yeah. Many of it in the government schools. Anyway, and we're the at TSA. a time <laughs> and the TSA. Thank you so much, Abel, for the call. We really appreciate everyone listening tonight. It's been a blast and a pleasure to be here with you as always. This has been Stephanie. And Lauren. And Carla. And we're She Talk Live. We'll see you next time. Have a great month.